Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. And my name is Sonia Rappaport. And today we're discussing Time Fugitives, Part 2, the 8th episode of Season 2. The 21st episode overall. <laughs> you really got your <laughs> announcer voice on. That's right, I can't stop talking like this. <laughs> so strap in, everyone. Strap in! <laughs> we are thrilled to be here. <laughs> Why don't you tell me what movie you want to see? <laughs> Oh, it's Mr. Movie Phone from the Seinfeld episode. How are you? All right. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so a little uh, pulling behind the curtain here time, Sonia. Okay. We are actually recording this episode the day after we recorded the last one, uh, Time Fugitives Part 1. So uh, today, today's actual date of recording is July 23rd, even though this is coming out the following week. Mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to be honest about this is one, we'll be on vacation for the next couple of weeks, which is uh, very excited and much needed for the both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, uh, but we still want to make an episode uh, for our fans out there while we're away. But the real number two is, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give people a quick update on our uh, on two mistakes I made in last week's podcast, non-X-Men related mistakes, oh. because there I can never make a mistake, mm-hmm. or you can never make a mistake. We're, we're the experts. I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> so, uh, well, the first one's not really a mistake. I said that uh, there was uh, a rumor that Ben Affleck was going to not oh. be Batman. But yeah, that's right. Like, literally today, it was announced, or last yesterday, I don't know what day we're on anymore, now that I'm talking about the days, uh, he said that he's going to be Batman for a long time. Yeah. So that, strike one to us. <laughs> And Strike 2 is, uh, I was talking about the new X-Men show, well, it's not really an X-Men show, but it's a show about the mutant X-World that's going to come out in the fall. Mutants. I That's the problem. I called it Mutants. It's actually called Gifted, I think. Oh. Or The Gifted. So, Wait, um, you're correcting yourself and you didn't even find out what the right answer yeah, is? Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Either way... <laughs> Either way... I mean, you never know with these shows anyway. They could they could have pilots and then be canceled. So uh, we'll take what we can get. But those are two uh, uh, mistakes that kind of bugged me after we recorded yesterday and I read more things on the internet and realized, hmm. But those mistakes won't be corrected until uh, the following next week when you're all going to be hearing this <laughs> not the scant 24 hours when we're actually recording this past all the mistakes made speaking of time fugitives that's right so <laughs> <laughs> yes we are also fugitives of time um but so is cable and bishop and the x-men mm-hmm. so uh this is the conclusion to uh the episode uh where we left off last week um where Bishop went back in time to stop a plague that it turned out to be created by Apocalypse. But uh, in doing so, he messed up Cable's future, uh, creating a whole bunch of time tornadoes or temporal storms in Cable's distant future in the year 3,999. That was messing up Cable's future, so Cable had to go back in time to stop Bishop. Mm -hmm. And it was much to Cable's chagrin because he said, in order to save my future, I have to help Apocalypse destroy a past one. So, and Apocalypse is Cable's uh, greatest foe. Yeah, Apocalypse is everyone's greatest foe. Well, that's true, but Cable is, like, literally the one... Like, me and you would not be fighting Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. We would leave that to Cable. Right. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, so that is the pickle we find ourselves in for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some so right off the bat, before delving into the specifics of this episode, I was immediately thought of two funny pop culture references. One was Back to the Future Part Two. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Back to the Future Part Two going on in this episode, mm. and that I mean, like it's much like Back to the Future Part Two, where Marty McFly has to return essentially to the first movie. And, like, help himself behind the scenes while events are going on in a bizarre, like, you know, confluence of events. But you know what I'm talking about. It's where Marty wears, like, the black leather jacket and sunglasses, and his self from the first movie is playing Johnny B. Good, and he's dropping, like, sacks on Biff's gang for some reason. Yeah. Um... It's so, like an uh, an extra level of being outside of time, right? And it's and it's just like, yeah, it's like seeing, it's like you get to like you see like the past played out in a way you're familiar with, mm-hmm. but everyone's like on marionette strings and you're like a, a rogue puppeteer or something into the mix. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I thought of was a joke on The Simpsons many years ago, where I think like Bart and Lisa go to the Itchy and Scratchy Animation Studio. And the the guy uh, oh, yeah. is explaining um, to Bart and Lisa how cartoons work, and he says something along the lines of like, uh, "In order to save money, the animators often just reuse the same backgrounds." <laughs> and it shows Simpsons like walking like for like a mile with like the same like janitor in the background yeah, right. sweeping. Yeah. And the, I think they said something like, "You'll never notice." So that is also going on in this episode. There's a lot of reused animation. Except you totally notice. You but, know, I yeah. mean, it's it's fine because it does fit right. the storyline. It's clever. It's, not really a it's big deal. It's time travel. It's not. It's yeah. not cheap for the sake of being cheap. Right. Although you know, you, well, the, maybe it is on some it level. Is, Who I, knows it, what their timeline was like while they were creating? I mean, this is something that Erica. Uh, um, Julia. Julia and Eric Leewald. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always mess that up. That's something that they sort of lamented to us, is that the animation production budget was a little cheaper than a show like Batman the Animated Series, for instance. Right. Where, you know, the Batman show was, like, you know, beautifully animated on... I think it was, like, done on black construction paper or something. Maybe not construction paper, but they, they, they painted it on black paper. Yeah. So that it gave it that lush like painterly look mm-hmm. and they they poured a lot of money into that yeah x-men is well, a little paid off it was a masterpiece yeah a total masterpiece x-men is a little cheaper it's a little more like you know yeah uh like run and gun animation i mean I, I actually personally think that x-men gets too much crap as far as people deriding the animation style mm-hmm. i i happen to like to see um it's it's hard for me to put it. it the best way to put it is like it's Jim Lee's art from the comics at the time come to life in the animated form. Yeah, and I always loved his artwork in the X Men. Like that's like yeah. many kids from our generation. That's those were the comics out at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, it works really well for the style and the time and yeah. and the story. It's very like gritty know? and neo futuristic. And we've talked a lot of times about different moments where the animation really does the story justice. Yeah, that are like cinematic looking or you know mm-hmm. just really great, really suitable. And I just want to throw this out to our Facebook group uh, a question that I've always had and this Mm -hmm. is sort of again unrelated to X-Men but it's am I the only one that doesn't understand why DC animation looks worse now than it did in the early 90s you mean like the modern the modern Batman Batman? because they still have the same like animators whoever it is like Bruce Timm and the other guys behind it like they're still there Mm -hmm. like directing those studios and a lot of those productions but it's just it looks so much 
I guess they're doing it digitally now, probably, so mm-hmm. everything looks more like filled in. Like I don't know how the best way to put it, like with Microsoft Paint. Like yeah, I know what you they mean. fill in Batman's like uniform with clean gl- it's, gray. Yeah. yeah, it's like I, don't, I guess that's what the reason is, but it's like such a mistake, especially when they make all these DC animated movies that everyone goes gaga about. Uh-huh. It's like to me, it's like yeah, some a lot of them are good, but. It's like, why aren't you just doing exactly what you did in the early 90s, where it looked amazing? They're trying to change with the times. You can't fault yeah, but them But it doesn't look as good. So maybe that's yeah. just my... I'm just curious if that's just my personal opinion, or if, like, everyone else agrees that the animation of, like, the Batman world, like, looks crappy. It looks worse than what the X-Men look like, in my opinion. I mean, well, that's I borderline, but. agree with you, because I like the artistic touch of tiny flaws here and there that your eye might not pick up, but it makes it a lot more human, a lot more like real life I think because real life is messy you know like yeah I agree. a street scene or whatever yeah. like, shouldn't be perfect clean lines yeah and, and, and like the new Batman animation style the DC animation style is yeah. too clean it's too straight it's too anime cartoony I, I wonder though like kids that are growing up with those cartoons now if they're used to that style and they think that looks better because they're more used to it I know that's a that's a question I mean that, that was like my biggest you know people have asked me on reddit I guess a few times like oh you should do uh the X-Men show that came out after this one I can't even remember the name of it it was uh it's when all the X-Men are young yeah and it's like they're in high school or something it's a cartoon that ran I can't people are gonna kill me because I don't I can't remember the name it's just one of those uh you know, ice cream headache, brain fart things. But um, anyway, the point is, like, that show to me looks like those modern animated DC mm-hmm. shows, and that's why I didn't like it because it's crappy looking. I'm sure the show's fine and has lots of fans. I don't mean to offend anyone, but I just can never get into it because I just couldn't sit there you and, like. couldn't get past the animation style. No, I couldn't, yeah. Hmm. So, um, you know, so that's, that's some fun diversions. But you know, on to this episode um, Cable's computer. Uh, magical computer voiced by futuristic Siri uh, <laughs> lays out the stakes pretty much early on. She says, and I'm giving it a gender, female voice. Uh-huh. And I don't mean to uh, genderize it. Is that what's that word? Engender. Engender. No, that's something else. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though. It's like <laughs> it's like when you don't you want to sw- like polarize it one way or another. Right. Yeah. Well, it's a female voice, voice though. So okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. So she says that millions in the past must die so that future billions uh, can be born. Uh-huh. And that's a, uh, again, right off the bat, like pretty heady concept for a children's show. I mean, not too heady. That's like kind of like maybe like some stuff you'd learn like philosophy, moral philosophy 101 in college. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about. Um, uh, you know, like what is the best for the greater good? You know, like is it is it best to have a society where you know ninety five percent of everyone's happy and five percent are miserable? Because you can never have a hundred percent. They try to like balance the scales, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it introduces those concepts, and you know that, yeah. that that's that's a cool laying of the stakes by the computer. Mm-hmm. Like Cable's got to make this choice, right? Well, she's been programmed that way, right? Completely. And the computer, yeah, the computer has come down with the moralistic terminations. Like, yeah, billions is better than millions, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's funny because the computer also goes on to, like, ask him some questions in a way that, like, mm-hmm. again, like, current AI would never do. And I can't imagine <laughs> AI, like, evolving in this way. I mean, I, I could. But really? go on. But yeah. she, like, oh. then after saying that, like, very shortly after, she says, like, and why are you... I forget exactly what So I think I, I know you're talking about. It's when, um, skip ahead a little bit, uh, Cable's in the past uh, trying to stop Bishop. Yeah. And he, he holds back killing Bishop. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, and, and she like questions him, yeah. like, "Why aren't you doing this?" She's like, "If you like just that. kill him, your mission's complete." Yeah, and you're gonna save. And he's like, "I can't." Cable says, "I've seen enough killing." Right. It's like convenient plot exposit or like. And she says, "That's illogical." Background uh, explanation for him, you know, like yeah. it gives you a, a little convenient window into like his backstory to make him a little more. Uh, humanized or something, right? And we don't see, know he's like well a British soldier who's tired of killing. It and just death. like bothered me that she would ask him a question. I'm like, ah, computers are not going to be. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I would love my computer question on my every move. <laughs> Why are you getting an extra cheeseburger? <laughs> You've reached your calorie count for the day. <laughs> are you sure? You're just going to feel sick. You know it. Um. So, but yeah, I, I mean, and cable. Uh, you know, the computer doesn't understand cable's heart. She's like, you're being illogical. You have to say it, it doesn't make any sense to, you know, to save one man. You're going to jeopardize billions more. Right. And, you know, these are the kind of weird questions, too, that uh, societies, I guess, more moralistic societies have to weigh. Uh, for instance, um, you know, the allies in World War II mm-hmm. had to weigh dropping the atomic bombs. Like, you know, would they save more lives by trying to end the world war early um, versus... Uh, you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. humane is it kind of thing? And it, it's like they're impossible to answer questions, really. But you've got, like, real hardliners who say, like, yeah, absolutely, we should have dropped those atomic bombs because we would have lost millions in an invasion of Japan. And isn't that worse? Mm. And you're like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's like these pe- There's The point is, like, in history, people have had to, like, answer these questions. Right. People that uh, pretend to be on the good side of things, too. Mm-hmm. You know, not just evil assholes. Yeah. So, I mean... Heavy. Heavy stuff, yes. So, um... Scaling back a little bit, uh, right before Cable goes back to the past, he's really motivated because we were introduced to his son, Tyler, who is in danger from a time tornado, a temporal storm, Mm -hmm. and I I guess he gets sucked up by one. Mm. And he looks like a 13-year-old kid, and he's got, like, a high, squeaky voice, and he looks like his dad. I don't know if he has got, like, metal arms, too. (laughs) I don't don't remember that detail, but... um, this is not the last we'll see of Tyler, and I don't just mean in this episode. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, uh, Cable saves the day, Tyler is safe at the end. Um, it's not that big of a deal <laughs> to, to ruin that right now. But, like, Tyler comes back, I think, in the fourth season, and he's, like, a young man. Mm-hmm. Or he's, like, 18 years old. Right, yeah. So, which is, he weirdly ages, whereas, I guess, Jubilee does not, but... <laughs> nor does anyone else. Right, but... nor does anyone else, presumably. Yep. So we see Tyler, and then, so, right as, um, catching up to what we were just talking about, Cable... Uh, goes back to the past. He intercepts Bishop, who... Um, Bishop's about to begin the previous episode, Time Features Part 1, but Cable messes it up now. And they get into a fight. And this is like one of those classic uh, storytelling tropes that I always find so funny, where Cable's like, Bishop, I just gotta explain something to you. Uh, you know? And, and Bishop's like, I don't have time. And they yeah. start shooting and fighting. Right. And it's just like, if people would just... Use your words. Use your words. I mean, it's like the exact same thing. We, I think we yeah. touched on it last week, uh, last week or yesterday, secretly, for all those really paying attention. Uh, Batman versus <laughs> Superman, where it's like if they just spoke to each other for a second. It'd they're... be solved within, like, five minutes right. as opposed to, like, a 20-minute all-out yeah. fight. And it just it reminded me to another diversion. Um, I bought Injustice 2 last week in a fit of, like, boredom. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And that whole game is is this moment over and over again because they have to come up with reasons why superheroes would fight each other. Mm-hmm. And it, so what happens in the game is it, it's a DC game. So let's say you're, you're Batman, and then for some reason you're fighting Wonder Woman, who I know is technically kind of bad in the game, but whatever. Just for the purposes of this conversation, you know. So it's like they meet to they meet in the the platform stage to fight. 
And Batman's like, Wonder Woman, I have to talk to you. And Wonder Woman's like, I don't have time to talk to you right now. And he's like, you don't have time? You'll listen to what I have to say. And then they start fighting. Right. And then after you, you, you fight and you win, then they talk. And like, oh, we're on the same side all, together, all along. Let's, yeah. like, let's carry on. Well, that's the whole like Civil War movie kind of... Well, no, not exactly. Not, they don't resolve their differences really at the end. But in, Well, it, you're right. But though in the Civil War movie, uh, the uh, Captain America 2, it is kind of similar in a way because... It's like, and they acknowledge it in the movie, like, after they have the big fight scene at the airport, mm-hmm. Iron Man finds Captain America at that secret, like, Russian base, whatever, yeah. and he's like, okay, now I'm ready to talk. Right. I finally, under- I did some research and I realized you were right all along. Yeah, you know, right. it's like, okay, like, you Could guys. avoided all that, but. Yeah, I mean, if everyone. Then we had no movie, so. <laughs> well, it's not that, you know, it is, it's just they keep trying to get all these superheroes to fight each other. Yeah. And it's like, the only way to do it is just by, like, stupid ignorance. Right. You know, like, no one, you're right, like, no one's using their words and. Don't you want a spectacle? Yeah, I get. <laughs> I'm tired of the heroes fighting each other. Though. I, yeah, I, I just am feel too. it's just such a. I mean, I know it's like it's a storytelling trope that goes back forever in all these comic books. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby were doing it in the '60s all the time. Right. The teams would accidentally be fighting each other. Sometimes they'd be robot clones or clones or you know whatever they would be imposters. And other times it was just be a misunderstanding. And it's cool to see, but it's getting it's officially a little bit tired. Old. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that's what's happening here. It's it's like professional wrestling, I guess. It's like two people get in the ring and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they end up being, like, partners after they fight. You know, they're like, what? And like, there's, a, there's, like, a quick change of uh, circumstances. Someone else enters the ring and then right. the two guys that hate each other team up. Okay, but we get the point. Um, I belabored it. Um, anyway, so now the episode, interestingly... It, it's, it gets into Back to the Future 2 mode where we see a lot of what happened in the previous episode mm-hmm. play out uh, again, but with minor variations, mainly with Cable being involved. So, again, we're at the scene where the mutants are being quarantined because of this plague outbreak, and Bishop's try- getting involved with a riot with the crowd, the X-Men show up, but now Cable's trying to assassinate Bishop, which I was a little confused by because just a moment ago he was trying to, like, he was just saying, I'm not going to assassinate him. Mm-hmm. But then he, like, decides to shoot him anyway. Yeah. I don't know if he's, like, torn or... If I think the... he's just, like, got a lot of internal conflict going on about it. Because he knows it is for the greater good. Because his few, his his present, whatever, his year timeline is in jeopardy and, yeah. you know. And and it's, it's actually some pretty good fight scenes. Uh, Rogue sweeps in. She's actually fought with Cable before in the Muir Island episodes. Mm-hmm. So they fight again, and Cable's really good at fighting. He he uses his body slide technique where mm-hmm. he can sort of teleport with his computer. He um, he actually holds his own against Rogue. Um, he kicks her in the stomach, and she goes flying. Yeah. So I don't know if he, he doesn't have a robot leg, I don't think. I mean, maybe he does. But that's he shouldn't be as strong as Rogue. I mean, Rogue, like, in the scene in a second later, she lifts up the Blackbird with her own two hands. Like, she's pretty much as smart uh, not as smart. She's as strong as Superman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she should be able to take a kick from, like, an ordinary strong guy without being even being moved. You know what I mean? Maybe she's caught off guard and... It's, no, you're uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just nitpicking. I'm just, like, that sticks out to me. It's like, how does Cable manage to kick Rogue? Yeah. Um, okay, so that, that just... That stuck out in my mind. Um, and there's another scene where, like, weirdly... They, they set up in a very... Like blink if you miss it way. I know you missed it. I had to make you rewind it to see yeah. what I was talking about. That Cable is the son of Cyclops and Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. 
So it's first, it's awkward first because you blast them right. from across the way, like um, from one skyscraper to another. Uh-huh. He shoots at them and he almost kills them. Um, and it's not like he doesn't know who they are because in the later scene, the computer's telling him about the X Men. Uh, and the computer's telling him about Cyclops and Jean Grey. He's like, stop, I know about them. You yeah. don't have to talk about them. Right. And then. Is he supposed to be directly their son, though? Or like I a think, distant. I think it's like. Descendant? Well, no, I think he's directly their son. Because I think it's like it doesn't in the, match up. I think it's in an alternate timeline or something. Hmm. I don't remember the comic book history. Uh, Facebook fans, please uh, g- give us the full backstory here about how Cable relates to Cyclops and Jean. Mm-hmm. Um, he is their son, but I think it's like. It might be like with an alternate timeline. I think the story was that they had to send Cable to the future because he, ha- he might have been born with this virus or something. This like there's a bunch of techno viruses going on in the '90s sure, comics, yeah. mm-hmm. so they had to send him to the future to get cured, and I think that. But it might have been an alternate like Scott and Jean. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, anyway, it's interesting. Okay. Um, and then later, Jean reads Cable's mind, and you very briefly, for a split second, see like the X Men logo with Scott and Jean's head and like a DNA helix. Yeah. And that is like the clue to the audience who are, I guess, comic book fans that. They're related. And then Gene kind of, like, teases it out in a spoiler to Cyclops. Cyclops is like, who is this mysterious Cable? And Gene says, like, he's more important to the future, our future, than you can possibly imagine. Yeah. And it's like... She stops it there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, are you keeping a secret from your husband, Cyclops, now about... She doesn't have time to explain right then. I know she... Yeah, you're right. She doesn't have time. The action quickly, like, takes jumps to the next <laughs> yeah. beat. But still, it's like, are you guys going to talk about this later? I mean, Gene, you just discovered you've got this son, and, you know, you understand how weird this is. You're just right. going to keep this a secret? Like, damn. Well... <laughs> that's, like, that's quite the uh, secret between spouses, I must say. I mean, yeah. It's the theme of not using your words when you should, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, a, a lesson to kids. Uh, they, this is The lesson of the, these episodes are always use your words, or else you'll end up in many time-traveling paradoxes. That's right. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Cable's fighting the X-Men. Um, Cable has to retreat at some point because Gambit and Storm are, like, totally raining death on him. There's a scene where Gambit's just, like, throwing a million cards in the street at him, and Storm's just blasting her lightning, and Cable's, like, dancing around explosions. Mm -hmm. So he has to teleport away, and, uh, you know, that's when one of the funniest lines in the show comes up. He's at his hideout trying to learn about the X-Men, and he's talking to his computer. He's like, they're not the wimps I thought they were. (laughs) It's like he needs to study more about how to beat them. Um, And it's kind of weird that he would say that, too, because, like, He's wearing the X-Men logo on his collar. Like, clearly the tradition of the X-Men has carried on thousands of years into the future. And, mm-hmm. You know, he too is a mutant. He knows he's the children of these original people, too, in his own mind. So, some, like, this is funny. Um, oh, there's another... F- uh, so, after this fight uh, dissolves, uh, we, we pick up back up on the main storyline, which is introduced in the previous episode... Uh, there's a really funny line by Cyclops too. This is just like sums up the absurdity of the show and why to me it's so great. Mm-hmm. He's like literally shouting at Bishop. He's like, "Why don't you fight your battles in your own time, Bishop?" Yeah, I know. I thought that was a really weird one because yeah, it's why? like I don't know. It's like take this fight somewhere else, but it's like he's gonna be like fighting him. He's gonna be like putting a bunch of people in danger no matter where he goes. And Cyclops, yeah. if he's really being altruistic like an X Man is supposed to be, then. 
Like, it shouldn't matter if the fight is happening, like, next to him or far away from him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the distance you're talking about is not, like, the, the distance of, like, the normal distance between people. It's I understand. the distance of time. It's a temporal distance. I know. It's just, it's just really that, funny that Cyclops idea. takes exception. <laughs> He's like, I'm so sick of these time travelers. Their battles spilling over until their, you know, other timelines. Yeah, it's right. Like, you know, it's like, stick to your own time. Um, oh, and that brings up another point I forgot to mention, too, about how ridiculous it is when Bishop doesn't listen to Cable at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, Cable introduces himself to Bishop. He's like, I'm also a time traveler. What you're going to do has serious consequences. And Bishop's just not interested at all. Yeah, isn't that strange? It's like, what, if you just traveled back in time and immediately another time travel intercepts you, wouldn't you, like, be at least interested enough to hear what they have to say? Yeah, right. You're just going to, like, start shooting at them? Right. It's, like, it's not my problem. Better, but, like, he's from, I don't know, Cable's from so much farther in the future it's than like, him. I mean, like, this is, to me, like, Bishop's such a numbskull in the show. It's like, show some intellectual curiosity. <laughs> you're not, I mean, like, you're... <laughs> It's like, aren't you the least bit, bit shocked you're meeting another time traveler? You know what I mean? Like, He doesn't have time to talk about it, yeah, all right? He's right. got to fight it out. Yeah, you're right. We've, we've been down this road. Yeah. Um, okay, so in learning about the X-Men, Bishop, uh, not uh, Bishop, Cable discovers that Wolverine has a mutant healing pe- factor. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's when he cooks up his grand scheme uh, that's going to save the day. So essentially his scheme is that and this kind of, you know, it spoils the ending, but whatever. Uh, this, the scheme is that he's going to u- use Wolverine. He's going to make sure that Wolverine purposely gets infected by this plague so that antibodies can be created from Wolverine's immune system because it'll have created the cure. Um, okay, that's actually a pretty clever uh, plot device. Mm-hmm. But what I find especially interesting is that up to this point, the show hasn't really got into Wolverine's healing factor yet. Mm-hmm. They haven't really talked about it that much. Well, they can't show that much violence is the thing. So right. in the movies, they show it because it's he's like graphic. slashed up or whatever, yeah. or, or you know, close to death. But the cartoons aren't going to show that level of... Uh, yeah. We, we've seen Wolverine get slashed up on the show, but he, he, he often needs a little longer to recover than we're accustomed to seeing in the movies or maybe in the comic books. Mm-hmm. He has to rest in hospital beds. He has to be bandaged, bandaged up. Um but, you know, in the movies, we see him get shot in the head, and then in, like, one minute, the bullet pops out, and, yeah. like, the scar heals, and there's no blood. Right. So on the show, they can't really go there. He does say a few times before this episode, I heal fast, you know. Yeah. But you don't really know, like, the extent of it. And in a weird way, that's in line with the early introduction of Wolverine in the 70s comics, because he would say similar things, but you wouldn't see the healing factor that explicitly. And I don't think it was like really introduced until later on. Someone in the Facebook group can let me know exactly when the healing factor was like a thing. I think it was like added. It wasn't like he didn't come with it. Oh. You know? Okay. Um, so it, it's cool that his healing factor is finally like a major plot device here. And we actually see it in action. When he gets infected with the plague, we see, we see his body heal it. Right. Right. But it, like I said, it's like, it, it's, it's kind of sad that because it's a kid show, you can't, you don't really get those like awesome moments of Wolverine, um, healing in dramatic ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not missing it, honestly. I know, I'm not, you know what I'm saying. Like, but, they like, give him so much more like character and charisma th- than than that power that yeah. I, it doesn't really bother me. I guess my only point about that is when I was most... Uh, 
when I saw the movies originally, I was most shocked by the, the use of the healing factor. Mm. To see it in the in in real life in the big screen was it was cool because just weren't wasn't accustomed to seeing it. It was kind of like almost unexpected hmm. in a way. So it, um, anyway, so nice to see the healing factor get a moment here. <laughs> uh, okay, beyond that, um, a few other silly things in this episode. Um, you know, there's the courtroom fight again, or not the courtroom, the hearing session with the Senate. Cable arrives at the Senate mission to, that's where he captures Wolverine to get his plot underway. And as he he arrives in a telephone booth, and he has a really outdated reference, he says, uh, time to reach out and touch somebody. <laughs> I, I don't know, is that like an old, old, AT, old AT&T commercial or Sprint or something? But that was like an old like slogan that telephone companies used at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's a very outdated reference. Uh, that that kind of made me smile a little bit. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, and then, essentially, unlike the last episode where... Uh, the X-Men end up dying <laughs> in a really, really pitifully. In the last episode, it ends with Apocalypse grows to 100 feet tall and fricassees the X-Men into black dust. <laughs> and in this episode, Cable, he, you know, he creates the antibody by exposing Wolverine to the, the virus. He also uh, makes like this, he, he throws a grenade that shoots up a force field that Apocalypse can't penetrate. Right. This is the first time we've seen Apocalypse foiled yeah. by anything. Well, no, he was foiled in the Four Horsemen episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But okay. only foiled that's because the X-Men and defeated the the uh, the four horsemen, not because they actually beat him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Apocalypse. Um, he's like you're right. He's completely foiled here at this point. He has to go back to the drawing board, right? Whatever it might be. As the X Men are escaping, uh, Bishop returns to his time. Now, this uh, confused me very much. Um, he returns to 2055 New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still looks cruddy. Um, like New York still looks like smoldering and in ruins a bit, and and the first thing Bishop says is, "I've returned to my own time. It's just like I left it. Nothing's changed." And then, but then he asks Forge about the plague, and Forge says, "What plague?" So right. there's no plague that devastated the mutants, right? But and Bishop kind of smiles at that point. He says, "I'll tell you all about it." Uh-huh. But we also see still see Wolverine's like dead skeleton in a tube. Yeah. And like I said, the city still looks like it's in ruins. Right. And and Bishop said, like, it's just like I left it. So I'm not sure. Like, maybe Bishop's work is not done. The future is still doomed by Sentinels or something. Hmm. But that problem was also solved by saving Senator Kelly. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the only thing you can really do is read Bishop's reaction. It's like, he seems content enough with the outcome. So, like, I guess it's fine. I mean, his mission was mission was a success, but there's still something... Bad going on in the middle of the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. New York does not seem like a nice place to live. So, yeah. So, people in the Facebook group, please talk to us about that as well, what your theories are in that. That always bugged me as a kid. I, um, I, I'm just not sure what's going on. And then, uh, and Cable returns to his time, and like I said previously, his son is saved, and they have a nice little hug. Mm-hmm. And that's the episode. Yeah. So, um, again, uh, I really enjoyed this two-part uh series here the time fugitive series yeah me too i thought you know it's just like i just love time travel as a science fiction concept Mm -hmm. i love that the x-men are involved with such crazy abstract you know fourth dimensional things and Mm -hmm. you know traveling through time and affecting the timeline everyone's really cavalier about it they just don't care about 
butterfly effects or paradoxes. They just have to save, like, fix things with time travel. What, what do you mean? Yeah, they're using the butterfly effect to their advantage. I know, but I, you know what I mean. It's like they, they're, they're not too worried about like the subsidiary, uh, like. Yeah, no one, no one like really mentions like a red flag about should we be time traveling? We really, it, maybe it's not our place to change the to course <laughs> yeah to, to meddle with the space-time continuum yeah you know there's not too much like doc brown-esque you know moralizing right that's true the the there's X- no warnings <laughs> yeah about it yeah and time travel is a pretty uh accessible invention like bishop has one in the in the not too distant future right. and cable just has like a time traveling pod that he uses pretty like willy-nilly mm-hmm. you know? that's true <laughs> in his time you know so it's like who else is going back and changing the past <laughs> So, um, yeah, it, you know, they always say it's like, St- I think Stephen Hawking said it or somebody, I, I don't know, uh, my, my brain, my pop culture adult brain is damaged that I can't remember real facts, but let's attribute <laughs> it to Stephen Hawking. He said something like, oh, if time travel is real, uh, then there'd be a bunch of time traveling tourists. Uh-huh. And because there's no tourists, then, you know, there's no time travel probably. Right. Um, I I think that presupposes a lot of things. I know, yeah, because it's like at the point in the future where time travel is a ready possibility, you can also assume that there's like invisibility suits and things. Right. So, like, maybe there are time travelers all around us and we can't see them. Oh, that's so awesome you mentioned that. One of my greatest (laughs) science fiction ideas ever. Uh, and this is, like, nerdy and it doesn't make any sense, but it's like if time travel is real and I was in charge of a government organization, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't send people back in time. I would send back invisible... Drones? F- invisible drones, like tiny robots yeah. that are invisible, uh-huh. that have tape recorders. <laughs> are they invisible? They're invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you send them back in time and you just dramatically film history. Mm-hmm. So... Like, all the documentaries that you yes. see on the History Channel would be made from actual footage. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's like, for the Revolutionary War, you'd start with George Washington pooping in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. And, you know, and then you'd edit it tastefully, and you'd see all these things. And then, like, you'd have talking heads in the future, historians talking about it. And what we learned from the time travel footage is that, uh, you know, his wife, Martha, Martha was into uh, S&M. <laughs> it's like, and here's some scenes of that, you know. It's like crazy stuff. You know what uh-huh. I mean? It's like, you would have no idea what you would discover mm. and it's like and beyond it just being silly like that the infinite amount of human stories you could tell from history mm-hmm. like you would have historians like scoured the past and find like the greatest unknown tales of humanity ever it's like we found this one Japanese guy in the year 400 oh, God. who was like trapped in a cave and he had to fight off like five tigers just think of the billions of interns that you need to make this project a reality <laughs> well I mean <laughs> yeah but I mean it's just like that would be the ultimate in historical like um historical technology uh-huh. let's say historical futurism like that if you're a historian kind of like I, I like I, I consider myself just like a fan of history uh-huh. uh, I minored in history <laughs> so uh if you are a fan of history like that would be the ultimate like fantasy to to like peer into the past so you'd rather like watch video footage from the past than actually go to the past yourself. Well, you know, it's like I, the reason you don't want to go to the past is you don't want to mess it up. So that would be the the, the way you would me- not screw up the past is by sending an invisible presence back there that just tape records it for entertainment and educational purposes. Right, okay. And it could just be more than seeing human history. You go back to the Big Bang, you know, like creation of Earth, the sun, like whatever, you know, whatever yeah, just event. film it all. Film it all, whatever event floats your boat. Uh-huh. And, and, and then, uh, you know, uh, just quickly to talking about time travel, um, 
another I think in theoretical physics too they said the other reason there's no time traveling tourists they've said that if time travel is possible the earliest point you could ever travel to is the creation of time travel oh yeah yeah I, I forget like the reasoning behind it is it might have something to do with like it, it, this is I guess this would be time travel using a wormhole who said this Stephen Hawking no no <laughs> whoever said it somewhere someone said it in some Wikipedia article they'd say that like using like wormhole technology the only way you could the farthest you could travel back is to the creation of the wormhole itself if you were to reverse time uh, okay. so it's like any and that would preserve paradoxes as well um, you it would you know because people are like what about the grandfather effect you know where you go back and kill your grandfather would you be born right and they say it's like if you can only travel back as far as the initial wormhole was created then that solves any and all paradoxes but what if your grandfather was alive when the wormhole was created what if your grandfather is the wormhole creator right go on <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the point, I guess, the point is that like it, maybe the pa- the real past is preserved. People in the in the in in a future where they have time travel, they're free to mess up their own future in space time continuum with paradoxes. Uh-huh. But those of us not living in the time travel universe don't have to worry about it. I see. Yeah. So maybe that that was like the one like beacon of hope. Okay. Um, but time travel, <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I, I think Sonia is uh, is wilting here. We have to turn the air conditioner off when we record these things. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hot summer. Um, so uh, that's all I got for this episode. Next uh, time when you hear from us, it'll be a rogue's tale, which is the rogue backstory episode. Mm-hmm. So we're getting some more backstory stuff. Yeah, and it's another great episode. A lot of fun. Cool. R- rogues like turning into one of my new favorite characters in rewatching the series. Really, yeah. she was always one of my favorites. Yeah, I, yeah, she was for me too. But like. You know, as a little boy, I think I'd focus more on, like, Wolverine or Cyclops or stronger guys. You know, like, guys. So relatable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's like, you relate to who you relate to. Like, as a little girl, you might have, like, been more interested in Rogue. Mm-hmm, maybe. But now, as an adult, that I've got such an expanded view on, you know, people and things. It's like, she actually seems like a more interesting character. I just love, you know, the actress who portrays her is really great, you know. Yeah. So, it's, it's just always fun and funny to hear from her. Mm-hmm. So, Rogue will be fun. So, that's all for this episode. Reminder to find us on facebook the x-men test podcast facebook group search us out there join uh join the fun conversation yell at us about stuff we don't know mistakes we've made <laughs> things of that nature um find me on twitter at willie simpson tweet at me say hello there too uh and also uh, subscribe to our podcast if you have if you do it on iTunes please rate us five stars read review that goes a long way to increasing our exposure and to get more fans here um, but you know you can subscribe to any podcast service that uh, there is we're on everything I think so um, <laughs> that's all I have today we're off to vacation woohoo yes woohoo but we will still uh, stay on track with episodes so you won't even have missed us so, good night, everybody. In time. <laughs> or will you? You're always so smart at trying to tie up these goodbyes with, like, themes. I'm not wilting. You're wilting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this has been Willie Wilting Simpson. <laughs> good night, everybody. Okay. <laughs>